Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone is doing all right, staying safe and healthy. Man, it really feels like March 2020 all over again. Something about this week with just the rising COVID cases and and everything just feels just pretty dark. And uh, it doesn't help that this is the darkest week of the year if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. So the good news is that after December 21st, each day gets a little bit lighter. And that's actually something uh, the rabbi said at my mother's funeral, which was on uh, December 20th, six years ago. And He said, after December 21st, which happens to be my father's birthday, he said, we let a little bit more light in. And so I hope that as we embark on this Christmas and holiday and New Year's time, that even though things look a little bit bleak, uh, we think about that each day we let a little bit more light in. Oh, man. Well, I have been uh, isolating for a bit because I am headed up to visit my brand new niece. She's three weeks old and got to be extra safe. So I've luckily steered clear of the virus this week. But who knows how long that long that's going to last when I'm up in New York City. Um It sounds like COVID found the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills again. (laughs) They paused production because Erica, Rinna, and Garcelle, plus a member of production, got sick or at least tested positive. So there's that. The good news is that Kathy Hilton is back. Um, Of course, as soon as she's uh, back on board, they have to stop production. I'm assuming they'll be out through the new year and then hopefully back in January. I've been hearing these rumblings that like a big piece of news from like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is going to drop on Monday. And I don't know what it is. I wonder if maybe they're Brenna's leaving or they're bringing back Teddy or who knows what's what's going to happen. But be interested to hear what you guys think as well. Also, The Real Housewives of Miami is back. Uh, They are on Peacock. I never actually saw the first few seasons of Miami. And so given um, how these next few weeks are looking, I may have some extra time to binge. So I might go back uh, and, and watch that and then get into this season on Peacock. Um, one really cool thing that happened this week is there was this Zoom event. I think it was put on by Xfinity with 
Jackie Goldschneider and Jennifer Aiden from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And Noor from The Reality Is sent me an invite and I got to join on Thursday night. And there weren't that many of us and not that many people were asking questions initially. So I got a chance to ask Jackie uh, about whether or not she was really intentional about last season showing the Rosh Hashanah dinner with her family, given that, you know, I've been watching Bravo for a very long time. Time and I don't remember any, you know, a very obvious depiction of Judaism on the show, despite there being a lot of Jewish housewives. I mean, we've got Jewish housewives on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills who all have Christmas trees and pose next to them. And I'm not judging, like, they can do what they want, but we just don't get to see the obvious parts of their Jewishness when we're watching these shows, so it's very easy to forget. And she said that she was really thinking about that, how she, despite not being particularly religious, is very proud of her heritage and very proud of being Jewish and was like, okay, well, this is actually what my family is doing, and I really want to showcase it. And that was really cool. And then I, I asked Jennifer about how the reception has been, you know, with to her and her family with her showcasing her Turkish culture and, you know, things like arranged marriages um, that are discussed and just, you know, how her family is responding to her brother being gay and, and all of that. And she says most of it's been really positive and it's just important to expose people and for people to learn about different cultures and religions. And it's just interesting since I've been going back and watching early seasons of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, how they all come across as like, we're part of this Italian, you know, we're Italian women and we're from New Jersey and we all have the same values and belief systems. And it's nice, um, you know, to see how things have changed a little bit in the more recent years with the addition of Jackie and Margaret. It was interesting to see Jackie and Jennifer together. They didn't seem like best buds, but they didn't seem like they absolutely hated each other either. So... I am so excited about next season of Jersey. I hear it's going to be premiering in February. So we have something to look forward to, right? A little bit, a little bit of light being left in. Um, the other piece of news that broke, aside from <laughs> the very big scandal of Countess Luann dining and dashing in Washington, D.C., which I discussed with my guest this week, so I won't go into it now, is um, that Whitney Rose's husband apparently had been sued by uh, someone uh because alleging that he works at this company called Life Vantage, which is a dietary supplement company, which seems like an MLM, like multi-level marketing sort of situation. And I guess three years ago, a man sued the company and named Justin in a lawsuit, alleging that the company was basically a pyramid scheme. And Whitney came out and was like, his name was dropped from the lawsuit. Um, and also the judge throughout most of the allegations. But the company is still being sued and the pyramid scheme is still under investigation. So that's pretty interesting given all of the stuff that's come out about Jen. Um, but I will point out there is a difference between a lawsuit and the, you know, federal investigators getting involved. But doesn't mean that Justin hasn't done anything wrong or that that company hasn't done anything wrong. I just thought it was really interesting that this story broke because this week, if you watch back, he's wearing a Life Vantage shirt in um, the scene that he has with Whitney, where she basically <laughs> says that she's making very poor money decisions. <laughs> oh, man. 
I really, really loved this week's Salt Lake. I also very much enjoyed the OC. Not enjoying Vanderpump so much, but um, I talk with my guests this week about maybe if there's anything we can do to salvage it, or maybe I am just yearning for something that no longer exists. Um, because I am going to be away all week, I'm not going to have a guest next week. But as long as I don't have COVID, I plan on doing a solo recap of this week's episodes, this next week's episodes. So uh, watch out for that. That'll drop on Sunday, the 26th. And then I am back to my regular schedule. Um, so this week, I'm so excited to have a friend on the podcast who is a reality TV producer. She goes by the pseudonym uh, Rachel, and we just chat a bit about her perspective watching these shows as someone who works in reality television, who works in production, kind of what goes into making these shows, you know, how there are different teams that work on different episodes, what the role of a showrunner is, you know, her thoughts on Ultimate Girls Trip, her thoughts on sort of what's been going on with OC, and we just get into absolutely everything. I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I think you guys will enjoy it as well. And I said, you know, I need to have her back on, and I need to collect questions from all you listeners, because I can only come up with so many, but if you guys have questions about how things are produced or done, she might be able to answer some of those. She she definitely can't share a lot of the inside knowledge that she has, especially from friends of hers that produce or work in crew on the various Housewives franchises. But what I'm so interested in is sort of the mechanics of how things get made. And I'm always wondering, you know, are they arguing about what they're arguing about? Or does it have something to do with the show? Or, you know, all of these things. And my main question this week was this episode of The Real Housewives of the OC, was this filmed over multiple weeks? Because it seems as if everything was happening like one day after the other. But then if you look at the actual timeline, it's much more stretched out. So it was very shocking to find out all of these things about Noella one after the other, but it was taking place over a couple of weeks. It just all rolled into one episode. So that's what I think happened. Anyways, if you guys like the podcast, be sure to rate it five stars and leave a kind review. If you have some constructive criticism, feel free to reach out to me. My DMs are open. You can find me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. I love you all. Stay safe out there and take care. I will take a quick break and then we will be back with Rachel. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, everyone. I am here with someone who we're going to call Rachel. She is from the Instagram account Not Quite Reality, and she has a lot of background 
in producing reality shows and just loves watching them and is so much more well-versed than I am in kind of like how these shows get made. And so wanted to invite you back to the show because over the last year, however long it's been since you've been on the show, people have contacted me and said, I really liked that episode that you had with the producer. And I was like, got to have you back. So how are you doing, Rachel? Uh, well, first of all, that's great to hear. Um, second of all, doing as well as any of us can be uh, during these COVID times. <laughs> I, um, I feel like uh, you said it's been a year. I feel like I'm in literally the exact same position that like, I'm like in, <laughs> in like the same, you know, location in the same position. Like, I feel like I've seen three people since I have last spoken to you and it's been a whole year. So, you know, I feel like I reemerged and now I'm back in the hole. Ah, yeah. So well, you're, I, you're like the, uh, the, the Puxitani Phil gopher. Yeah. For Day. Or like a cicada that just died. <laughs> Well, last time you were on the show, you explained to me the different types of producers that exist in reality TV. And could you mm -hmm. just for everyone listening, give us kind of a refresher course on the types of like, who are the types of people behind the scenes, both behind the camera and doing the production when people say producers, right? Who are they really talking about? Um, they, I mean, of course they might be talking about, a, you know, a few different people. Um, there's producers on the network side. So usually, um, each show will be assigned a producer from the network and that's sort of their main liaison, um, who will take like a rough cut of an episode and then show it to their team internally. And then oh. that person kind of acts as the conduit back and forth. Um, with the production companies, um, like showrunner. Show um, okay. So oh, the showrunner, the showrunner is like the kind of the most important executive producer that there is, um, because they're doing the day to day. Um, you know, like they most likely don't own the company that they're working for, but they've been entrusted to run the show, hence showrunner, which also like wasn't really a term that people used like 10 years ago, even it's sort of just become a newer thing. I, I almost feel like more so with um, the increased reality um, programs that are out there. It, be, it, it, that's sort of where I've like first felt like it's been used um, the most in the industry. Um, and so there's the showrunner and the showrunner is going to be involved in pre-production the production, post-production, they, you know, are there at the very beginning when the show starts all the way through like the last cut. Um, and then uh, usually there'll be like, a, you know, like a producing team for the episode. Um, and so the, that first showrunner is kind of the link between all of the episodes. Um, so that way, you know, a season can be done in a timely way. So episode one might be done by producing team A and then episode two is done by producing team B and so on and so forth. And then that episode one team probably also does like episode six, episode 12. I um, see. Like that. And they all kind of like rotate. And usually, you know, if they, um, 
if they want to know what's going on in episodes before or after, like those cuts are available to, you know, each producer, even if it's not their episode, just so they can understand the context. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the, like, at least if you're looking at the top, that's where that those decisions get made from up there. And then there's, you know, we can work our way down towards like a field producer who's the person who's out there every day with like, you know, um, the, the housewives like on the ground, um, saying like, okay, say, you know, you guys are, Cynthia Bailey planned this, you know, barbecue, the Bailey barbecue <laughs> again. And we want all of you guys out on the beach to do, you know, to lick through this giant, you know, circular ice ball to get to the lollipop center. Um, so, uh, you know, cause like Cynthia's, I mean, you would think by now she'd be like a producer, but you know, she's not a producer. So she doesn't necessarily know like the, the best way to present this information to the other women or how it's going to look the best. So those are all decisions, you know, made by the the field producer, the producer, the director of photography, who, you know, is in charge of all the, the camera guys. Um, so the whole thing, it's just wild to think of it as such a big production, because as we're watching it, we forget that there are cameras and boom mics and lighting, mm-hmm. and you only see it when they break the fourth wall. Which yeah. we saw on the Real Housewives of the OC last week when you know Heather was mm-hmm. yelling at production, and the cameras you know shut him down. We're done. What was so fascinating to me about Ultimate Girls Trip was that they allowed the women to break the fourth wall, not in necessarily always showing the cameras and the behind the scenes stuff, but they had them talk about the fact that they were on a TV show, and mm-hmm. up until that point it's not discussed. We never talk right. about the fact that we're on a show together. We just do stuff. And sometimes it's awkward because we can't say we're on a TV show. And I thought yeah. everything flowed so much easier on Ultimate Girls Trip because mm-hmm. they were allowed to be their true authentic selves and say, well, on my show, we do it this way. Or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. What was your reaction to seeing Ultimate Girls Trip from the eyes of someone who produces. I loved that they did that. Um, I was curious how they were going to distinguish Ultimate Girls Trip from being, you know, just a regular franchise. And I feel like that was like the exact right switch to flip was like, okay, let's incorporate, you know, like you guys don't have to pretend you're not on a show. Like everybody knows you're on a show. Let's drop the facade and you're still going to do housewifey stuff but we might ask you different types of questions because we can this time. Um, And I, it was fascinating to me. Like I have never ever liked Kenya and now I'm a big Kenya fan. And I was starting to think that Kyle was like, kind of like she's maybe has run her course, but actually I feel like Kyle is the ultimate beta. Like she is not an alpha, which is why I think she hasn't been pushed off the show. Because I don't think she ever comes across as like so dominant, um, but she's a really good kind of like if you need like the table cleared of like certain action, she knows how to clear it for you, like almost like a producer's like sidekick or something. Yeah, 
sometimes I think she produces too much, but she's like, we have to have resolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but, but like on girls trip, she did the, the right amount of producing. Like I never felt totally. like her questions about asking the other girls on their shows. I feel like she was the first one. She might not have been the first one that brought it up, but that was the first, I feel like that might've been the first person that they showed discussing it. And um, it didn't feel obnoxious to me. No, it felt so like, great to hear them talk about who they get along with on their show, what issues they have, mm-hmm. you know, things that frustrate them, all of it. And this is the thing that they have in common. And this is, of course, what they would bond over. And I totally yeah. feel the same way about Teresa. I never really mm-hmm. liked her. Again, I haven't watched from the beginning. I've just started to go back. Um, to Jersey. So I didn't know the early years, Teresa, but in more recent years, I'm just like, she's so obnoxious. She's too big of a head. She thinks, you know, the show can't go on without her. And and that probably is true. But at least I got to see the side of her that was fun and easygoing, which mm-hmm. I, I didn't know existed. You know? Yeah, I, I, feel like I just think she's a monster and nothing will convince me otherwise. But I like that other people are open-minded enough to change their <laughs> minds, even if I'm not. <laughs> um, speaking of monsters, did you hear that Luann had a concert in D.C., uh, which is actually on my block? My building oh. that I live in is called the Lincoln after the Lincoln Theater, which is here on U Street. So she did a very short concert or performance, her cabaret. I heard it was like 45 minutes tops. And that included her showing videos rather than actually singing for most of her parts of it. And then she went to a restaurant down the street, Le Diplomat, and allegedly dined and dashed. And apparently afterwards uh, had to pay the bill once her publicist was contacted by a reporter at New York Magazine. And she only gave a 22% tip after all that. I don't I don't know how you like, why don't you double the tip after you've done that? Right. Like show that you're embarrassed because like she wasn't. you only doing only doing a 22% tip means to me that you never actually intended to pay and now you're annoyed and you're just you're doing a tiny bit more than what the standard tip is generally considered to be so like no we no (laughs) what a mess and then of course she apparently went to a gay bar named trade afterwards Uh, my thinking is of course she goes there because she wants to go somewhere where she's recognized and loved Mm -hmm. and because she's such a narcissist and then afterwards, she was so drunk that she tried to break into Shake Shack. <laughs> I did not hear that. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's not amazing. The but streets like- are talking in D.C. Usually nothing goes on here, at least to Bravo related. But I, I mean, I wonder if they're talking so loudly that Giselle heard, you know, over in Potomac. <laughs> I know she's in these streets all the time. And what's interesting is I was thinking about this when I did see Erica Jane in concert, Giselle and Karen showed up, right, as like housewives in the area. They went backstage, Mm. that kind of thing. The only housewife that I'm aware of that went to this one was Bershon because she's originally from D.C., I I don't know. The whole thing is so weird. She's allegedly drinking again, and I don't know. um, 
that's a generous characterization to call Bershana housewife, but yeah, or uh, the only <laughs> I guess yeah, no, no one knew who she was either. Like no one recognized yeah. her. From what I've heard, I didn't actually go because I refuse to give Luann money at this point. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't. I think I think she also pulled the um, I'm a celebrity card when like when trying yeah. to sit down. I think like they didn't have a table. Maybe is what well, I read. The diplomat usually doesn't have a table, and okay. um, they're being a celebrity. I mean, they don't know who she is. Therefore, she's right. not a celebrity to them. Right. Like. If you're not Kamala Harris trying to get a table there, which she has, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that you're not, we, we have different kinds of celebrities here, <laughs> you yeah. know? And just the, oh, it's just, it makes me feel like she's learned nothing and she's not been brought down to reality again. Like I felt mm-hmm. like after her arrest, she had some sort of like, okay, I need to, it changed my behavior. I need to take a look at my life. You know, it really brought her down a peg and it was needed. Right. And she was so much more likable and relatable when she was like that. And now it's like her head is ballooned again and yeah. she's living in some sort of alternate reality in which she's the most important person in every room. Yeah. And everyone should treat her that way. And it's, you know, what? I'm not going to devote any more time talking to her, but Okay. Speaking of people who've got big heads, <laughs> let's dive into this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Sure. Wh- which which woman are you talking about has a big head? I can't. Um, I mean, I think Jen and definitely Mary. So okay. let's start with Mary for a minute. It sounds like, according to Whitney, it makes she makes it sound like Mary doesn't really have friends. She has parishioners, people that go to her church and that worship her allegedly. And so mm-hmm. she never has that like normal reaction and relationship where people ask each other questions. She has there's always like a different power dynamic in who she's yeah. engaging with. What do you think of all of the stuff that's going on and coming out about her church and how Lisa seems to be trying to like lead the women down a path of this being a storyline. Well, I feel like, and this might like, I don't know if this is my producer brain or if this is a a thing that everybody else, you know, uh, who watches the shows thinks about, but I think that before, so Jen's arrest happened in season. Um, They, you know, like they didn't plan for that to happen. I think like my gut tells me that Mary was supposed to be like the A storyline of the season. And that if that's true, I feel like Lisa would have been like digging and digging and digging and storing up this information and storing it and storing it. And I just don't think that she could control herself to not let it come out at some point. So even though there was like the Jen stuff, you know, up until essentially this week, I feel like Lisa was like, no, I did all this work and now I'm going to spit it out no matter what. Like, right? I, you know, I've been saying I don't, this I don't, the last few weeks. I don't care. I don't care how it comes out. I don't care if I have to yell it in the face of my alleged best friend, Meredith Marks. Like, I don't, you know, care if I make stupid puns about Whitney's name, whatever. I'm just going to do it. 
That that's exactly what I've been thinking. And then I also was thinking when Jen wasn't with them in Vail, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we can't only talk about Jen. Let's keep things moving. What's interesting is it seems to be Whitney is picking up the torch and moving along. And it's so interesting to watch because Lisa and Whitney are always at odds. And yeah. it but they seem to be aligned on Mary. Although Lisa doesn't want to make it seem like she feels the same way Whitney does. I mean, basically, like, until, like, two weeks ago, Mary, Whitney and Lisa were Mary's only friends, though, right? Or, I guess, in Heather. So, it, I mean, it's, I don't think Mary had any real friends on the show. Right. She spent the entire last season filming yeah. from her closet, which we later found out is actually her bedroom. <laughs> it, it did feel like last season, her friend was Whitney. Like, that's what yeah. came across to me. And mm-hmm. they seemed to have some sort of relationship. So it's interesting that Whitney now, I mean, do you think that they all just get fed this stuff over and over by people on on social media and yeah. that kind of stuff? And then they're like, well, what's real and what's not? And when there's so much smoke, they're like, okay, maybe there's fire with this one. Like, how does that go? I imagine that they do get DMs all the time. And I don't know that they're as discerning as you think they are. Like, I, I feel like it wouldn't, it wouldn't need to be um, like incontrovertible evidence, you know, like a, a, a 25 different sources coming forward with the same information. I feel like two or three would be enough for them to run with, a, with a story. Unless it's Meredith who says that she needs absolute yeah. fact. <laughs> That's why she hires private eyes. So what do you, I mean, do you think this happens in other franchises where people hire private investigators and it usually just doesn't come out? I don't think so, but I don't think that Meredith was out of line at all in hiring no, no, a private I investigator. Don't so either. Like her family is getting strange text messages. I call that due diligence and taking care of your family. Yeah. I have no if, problem with that. If the text and, messages were threatening... Yeah. Then, of course, yeah, you do what you need to do. I mean, file a police report, whatever it is. But what's so interesting to me is that they all seem to be getting them. And most of them weren't speaking to each other about getting them, except yeah. for Heather and Whitney. So Meredith, did. I don't think she knew originally that everyone else was getting them. But then at some point, and I don't know where I heard this, Heather was almost was getting the messages too and was thinking of going in on paying for a PI with Meredith, but then didn't oh. go through with it. Hmm. I don't know where this the, came um, from. The private investigator would not cost that much money, by the way, just like in case. I think it wasn't about the money. I think it was about like, let's work together to figure out who this is. Yeah. But I think there's mm-hmm. a part of Heather that doesn't want to know. Probably not. I feel like that's kind of the way that Heather conducts herself because I think she wants to be friends with her own friends. And so to the extent that she can ignore certain things, I think she wants to, which um, I mean, I can empathize with, I guess. Do you have friends who are producers on Salt Lake City? No. Okay. Is it, is it like a completely different production company than the others? No, it's um, I have friends that are not producers, but who work on the crew. So, oh, okay. Like, just in case anyone who's listening is like, what does that, you just yeah. said the same thing. Um, the crew, I, I don't know. <laughs> the crew would be like 
um, lighting, sound, camera, assistant camera, um, those positions. Um, and I have, like, I know some of those people. Um, the uh, Salt Lake City is produced by Shed, which produces New York and also did Ultimate Girls Trip. Oh, okay. So same so, production company. Okay, so interesting. Um, so I, I thought that I had talked about this with you before, like offline, like a, a year ago, but maybe not. Um, so Salt Lake City was originally done by another production company. Yes, yes. And then they got fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took that footage, gave it to Shed Media, who does New York, and then they turned that into what we're now watching. Which is why so, some things didn't make sense, I think, in the first season. Yep. Okay. Yes, we have talked about this. What have the people that you know that were on the crew said about the arrest of Jen Shaw and how that whole day went for them? I wish that I could tell you, but I'm not spoken to them. <laughs> I thought I okay. But they were shocked. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not right? even being coy. Like, I'm not even being coy. I I. I um, only noticed because I saw in the credits the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, my friends. Um, so I, I haven't They're talked probably to them since. very tight lipped on this. Uh, yeah. um, how do you feel like it has been shown on the show just from someone who enjoys watching these shows? Like, how has the story been told? I am like willing to buy in with how they've been like unfolding it for us. Um, other than the, um, the doorbell camera footage, which really bothers me. Um, everything else feels like it could have naturally unfolded this way. And even if it didn't, it they didn't do it in a way that took me out to be like, this is so fake. Or like, they shot this seven times or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm like, I've been like gripped to the TV, like in right? those episodes. It's so yeah. wild. With that doorbell footage, I mean, talk me through, how would they even go about getting it? I, I know the home wasn't owned by the Shaw family. It was rented. So would they have to go through the owner to get the ring cam footage? Is that... There's there's no like a bunch, of, a bunch of different things that come into play. Um, one of them is that, um, I don't know. So Ring is owned by Amazon. Uh-huh. And Ring has an agreement with like, over 1500 police departments in the U S um, where they share footage. And so if the ring camera footage is, is stored on rings cloud, then in the terms of service ring can use that footage for whatever they want. It's like in the terms of service. So um, if producers had contacted ring, like they ring could essentially just- Turn do it whatever over. they want with it. Yeah. Got um, it. Or, or it also could have been that Jen maybe put it out herself because maybe she was like, this is so harrowing for my family. Maybe it will elicit that sympathy because who watches that and doesn't feel bad when you see that, like those, her net, her nephew and her son being like walked out. I was wondering if the decision, cause I didn't really understand the decision to show it other than it's what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. Until this episode where she talks about how her son and her nephew were walked out um, and Mm -hmm. the the guys had AR-15s. And so, you know, had we not seen that ring footage, I don't know that I would have believed what Jen was saying or, um, 
or maybe other yeah. audience members would. But also, and I've said this before, I think I'm a little bit callous when it comes to this, but I'm like, what do you think happens when there is a search warrant from a federal investigation team? They show up with big guns. They get everyone who's in the house out of the house. They likely handcuff, I mean, uh, maybe don't handcuff people. They, they remove people from the premises. Uh, like, yeah. that's just what they do. And the laser, which she said, like, it was on her nephew. I mean, that's for their safety to a lot of times they show up places and there are hostile people that yeah. want to shoot back at them and it doesn't have it doesn't matter if your crime wasn't a quote unquote violent crime right there's still <laughs> a lot of people that are very desperate and and you know initiate kind of reduced to violence when they're cornered so yeah. part of me is like well what did you think would happen you know, but at the same time, watching it and watching them as as black men and mm-hmm. boys, really, or Omar yeah. is under eighteen, like that. Uh, but yeah. at least but, the one time I agreed with her all episode, probably all season, is when she was like, "I'm upset. I put them in that position." Yeah, yeah. I mean, she seemed like actually genuinely upset by that, which, like, good, you should be. Um, but her surprise at being handcuffed to the chair. It's like, you got arrested. Like, what, why are you surprised? She made it sound like her story got handcuffed. is so where where she was like, she never said when she sat down with Heather, oh, I, I was told that coach had a blood clot. Like she never mentioned a uh, blood clot again. She said that he wasn't feeling well. So I left to see what was going on. That was definitely not the circumstances under which she left that party bus. So I <laughs> I agree, but I don't I don't care because it's like, what is she supposed to say right. in that situation? But I mean, she says that she didn't know what was happening. She thought she was being kidnapped. She asked for their <laughs> yes. identification. They took her to a building. They told her she was under arrest. They and she kept on being like, Where are you taking me? And was shocked that they, you know, handcuffed her. And Heather said, Well, you probably are like of course, I need an attorney. And Jen's like, yeah. I didn't think I need an attorney Attorney, since I didn't do anything. I mean, th- this part I don't believe. I truly yeah, don't right. believe that. Like, everyone knows you don't, it, since you're like five years old, if you get arrested, you get an attorney. Yeah. Like, you don't speak. You have the right to remain silent. She did not have to talk to them, you know? And then when she claims in the lawsuits that she didn't know about her Miranda rights because she had dry contacts. Like she couldn't read them or something. That was something like she wasn't sure what was going on because did her- she never watch an episode in 23 <laughs> years of law and order SVU I or mean, in 20 years of regular S like regular law and order. What? No, that's a lie. She, she could also ask her co-conspirators who this happened to, who were arrested in 2019. <laughs> what this went, <laughs> what it went down like, it's not like she doesn't know anyone that this has right. happened to. She's clearly been involved in this for a while. Well, I loved Heather's facial expression when she said that. Um, like I, I rewatched the episode earlier today, um, and Heather's face when Jen tells her that was like about why would I need a lawyer? I didn't do anything. And Heather's like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, yeah. Like not like something's that. off with what you're <laughs> yeah. saying. Like you, you know that you need a lawyer. The other thing is, and she was talking about you know Stewart and. St- 
Uh, Stu Chains, yeah. Stu Chains. She claims that Stuart looked at her when they were both in the federal building and said, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Like as if he got them into this mess. And then Heather, great questioning. Well, what is he? Is your business partner, your assistant? Jen says, (laughs) we're not partners in any business. That is a flat out lie. And I'm glad that they rolled the footage. (laughs) <laughs> Why would she say that? She said, he was my assistant and we developed a friendship. He had his own businesses he was running. What? Well, who are these people who have like 10 businesses each? I mean, that's a good question. But first, um, th- I mean, they work together. So I feel like it's possible that maybe they are not actually partners, but they definitely work together. And like, they're definitely involved in like many things together. So I don't know it, the way that she said, like, we are not partners in anything almost sounded like she was like parroting it back from a lawyer. So I, I'm, I'm a little torn on that one. And then we know, and you know, modern day, he flips on her, he yes. pleads guilty. So she's left on an Island still claiming innocence. It's not going to yeah. work out. I, this is when it gets kind of scary to like it's it's all fun and games watching these women with with severe personality disorders like let's be honest like (laughs) (laughs) like like it is like they don't have reactions like like you or i do they don't feel shame um they never think they do anything wrong they're always a victim and they behave kind of crazily and it's fun to watch it's good television Not all of them, I would say, have personality disorders, but but some seem to have some sort of, and again, again, you know, I'm not a psychologist or whatever, but just from what I know, this just seems a little off. But then when you see, like, it's like she believes the lies that she tells everyone, and that's what what I find scary. Someone who's a liar, who knows that they're lying and who is manipulative versus someone who lies and is like, so used to lying, like they don't even know the difference between truth and lies, terrifies me. And that's, yeah, I think that's when I think when she, she talks to um, Coach Shaw, she yeah. also um, is like believing her own bullshit when yeah. she's talking to him. But okay, I'm glad you brought him up because he said something that I thought was so like it caught me off guard, and I rewound it like three times. He says, well, she tells him she's innocent. She didn't do any of those things. We got married for better or for worse. And this is for worse, which sounds like a threat to me. Um, (laughs) He said, I tried to be a better gatekeeper and I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Hmm. Like I should have made sure you were hanging out with better people or partnering with better. Like that's what I took it to mean. You shouldn't have all these hangers on who could drag you down into legal problems. That That's how I heard it. But gatekeeper is a very weird word to use for a spouse. Do you think that it could have been as simple as he literally meant the gate at his house in allowing them to, like, take the boys out with the guns? Oh. And, and, and like, really just being a surface level read of that? where he actually means that he was like the doorman of his house. (laughs) But I mean, it doesn't matter if he was there or not there. The people are going to come in like they have a legal right to enter his home because they had a warrant. Yeah. 
But I mean, and that he might... knows that because he's a lawyer and he practiced yes. law for 12 years. So yeah. <laughs> this is where things get fishy for me. You, you know, Jen Shaw's married to someone who went to law school and who practiced law. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's so shady. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to, to other people in the show, Whitney and <laughs> what the fuck is going on with Whitney's brand? Uh, I don't understand because in, you know, in one episode, she breaks down like the full legal tri- like tribulations of, of Jen Shaw. And then in the next one, she can't figure out that when she like rebrands, she needs to have the new name like swag there. That was so weird. She's constantly wearing Iris and Bo swag. Yeah. But she keeps talking about Wild Rose Beauty. None of it makes sense. And then to say that that this uh, photo shoot costs twenty thousand dollars, like what cost? Like with paying the models? Was it having the lighting, the camera? Like how does that add up to twenty thousand? I don't know how that would add up to twenty thousand <laughs> in Salt Lake City because, like, I'm thinking about how much it costs to like rent a studio for a day. You know, like worst case, w- absolute worst case scenario would be three thousand dollars, and that's high. So it probably isn't even that much. And then I don't know how many models she had, but again, out in Salt Lake City, she doesn't have to pay them that much. And even hair and makeup for those people, you know, like on uh, on like a bigger budget, like actual show you know, hair and makeup still make less than a thousand dollars a day. So I I don't know where she, where that money went. She does say that she is bad with money, which is kind of terrible. It's scary to rebrand to it. She said on podcast that she had a partner in Iris and Bo and she bought the partner out and is rebranding the entire company. But don't you think, I don't know. I, and I really like to think that she's smart, but I feel like she makes some very stupid decisions and taking out, uh, needing to potentially take out a line of credit, you know, and having her husband co-sign and not letting him know until they'd already made, moved forward with all of this was a mm-hmm. really shitty thing to do as both a business person, but as a wife. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I feel like, um, I think in the beginning of Vanderpump Rules this season, Lala, like she was finding out about her book, right? If it mm-hmm. had made the best. So like, so that's like an example of like timing it correctly for your show, right? And like getting the best possible like personal integration of your products on the show and have free advertising. It like Whitney had, you know, many, many months in between seasons like she couldn't just print up a t-shirt that said like wild rose beauty to wear, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't make sense. All of it. And it's, I think the rebrand like in real life happened like November 1st or something like that. So at least it's Mm -hmm. during while like we're watching it, but yeah, Lala's really smart actually when it comes to the business stuff. And I think we saw that, you know, this episode of Vanderpump Rules when she was like the give them Lala like lines of things are all hers and she's like I want to make my own money I don't want to be relying on a man and man is that good that she had those things done completely separately not in his name at all yep Uh, do you want to talk about Vanderpump Rules next 
Well, sure. first, any kind of final thoughts on Salt Lake, on and Heather, on Meredith and Lisa's awkward conversation with the horses? <laughs> um, <laughs> totally that, forgot about that part. The the whole horses thing was was so strange. Um, it like. Meredith always to me seems like she's just smoked a joint or has like taken a sedative. Um, and like even more so in this scene, she just looked like completely unfazed. Like Lisa was at like a 90 and Meredith was at a three. And <laughs> when Lisa's like talking about counting Lisa Barlow's, the one Lisa Barlow to Lisa Barlow, Meredith was like, like, are you listening to yourself? Like, what are you even talking about at this point? Like I, you're <laughs> it's nonsensical. Um, and I came from the point of view where I believed that Meredith and Lisa were friends before the show. Um, I, like, I, I don't know, just the, the dynamic between them, I, I feel like they were. And so I don't feel like this is like an insignificant conversation because they're friends and they're sort of, you know, deciding whether or not they're going to go head to head defending their, you know, um, personal criminal that they're uh, attached to at, at, at the moment. <laughs> Potential, <laughs> in a, in a way. alleged. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's just, just like they, I feel invest for some reason. I'd, I'd like the two of them. I feel invested in like that. They work their friendship out. I'm, I want them to work it out. I don't know why. Um, Lisa is like such a mess. She's like the worst version of Kyle. Um, with like her self-producing, like Mm -hmm. she, she is self-producing, but leaving all of the crumbs so you can see what she did, you know? And it's like, if you kind of like close your eyes a little bit, when Kyle does it, you can pretend it's not happening. But like Lisa, it's just like, yes, she obviously set this up to do this, or she set it up to do this. But then she freaks out if you call her out on it. Like, oh yeah, completely just absolutely goes bonkers. And I just don't know why she doesn't just own it. I know. <laughs> Sorry, my dog is... <laughs> she has this pig toy that is a very low oink noise. And um, she chose now to go to town on this on this pig. So uh, apologies um, for the, the background um, no, noise. I'm, I'm glad that you told me because I actually just thought that was like a, a new thing you picked up in the last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally under my chair playing with this. Uh, this it's, it's a Christmas pig toy that, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I hear it now. Yeah. Hold, hold on one minute. We're just going <laughs> to figure out a new place for Stassi to play. <laughs> okay, we'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so what we were talking about with, with Lisa and Meredith, what I heard on, I think it was Kate Casey's podcast, she interviewed Meredith and Meredith had said that, you know, she only lived part time in Park City and she had these sort mm-hmm. of part time friends, right, that she would see when she was in Park City and that Lisa, yes, was her friend of 10 years. And yes, they did things together as families, but it was sort of a part time friendship. She didn't say it like that, but that's okay. how. Yeah. So it's like she only knew her from the Sundance sort of circuit scene during the months that her and Seth were in Park City and not necessarily yeah. like year-round seen her in other scenarios. And so now okay. they're on this show, and I think it brings out a part of Lisa that Meredith, one, didn't know existed, and two, doesn't like. I think that might be right. Yeah. 
Wild stuff. Absolutely wild stuff. Um, so speaking of Utah and Mormons, um, <laughs> maybe we. Well, I don't know. Are you are you gonna are you gonna talk about Shane from OC? Are you gonna talk exactly. About, uh, this Lala is where I was going. Yes. So let's <laughs> head over to the OC. I find Shane and Emily's marriage so fascinating. Like the oh, fact, endlessly fascinating. The fact that he's Mormon, but the rest of his family isn't Mormon. That he chose to convert and he chose to marry someone who's not Mormon. And isn't judging that is just, um, it's just a very different scenario than I think Whitney and Heather were obviously raised in. And reminds me yeah. a little bit of Lisa Barlow. It's like a cafeteria Mormon, you pick and choose. Although I do yep. think Shane follows it. His mm-hmm. wife doesn't. And anyway, so they're yeah. talking about getting Annabelle baptized in the Mormon church. And like, how did you think that whole conversation went? Uh, I thought that the conversation went well. I thought it, it, I always think it's interesting when, um, a child has like such a strong, um, kind of like want or draw or need to like follow a specific religion, particularly if it's not the religion that their parents really impressed upon them so much when they were little. Um, and I think that it's nice that both of her parents are, seem to be open to it. Um, yeah. It sounds like they were sending the kids to Mormon school, like on Sunday school. Yeah. So I that's so probably where she got the idea. Like, I really mm-hmm. like this. I want to get baptized. It's well, just I think, interesting. I, th- I think also Shane has another daughter. That's not Emily's who is, a, who is Mormon. Got so I think that older sister maybe sort of uh, either, you know, influenced or the younger sister, you know, saw her older sister doing these things and was curious or, you know, like that. That's so interesting. Okay. As someone who knows a little bit more about the background of some of these shows, do you know why Nicole is no longer on the OC? She's not a friend of even. This is Nicole James, formerly Nicole Weiss, who apparently 16 years ago sued Terry Dubrow, but then didn't sue him for a botched boob job. Where does she go and why does she leave? Well, are you talking about Nicole Weiss or Nicole Weiss? Weiss, okay. (laughs) I'm, of course, adding my, like, Jewish last name to... to, I I Jewify everyone. (laughs) It just was like... Terry was just like so like squealy with that that I, I can't like unhear it. Um, I have heard two different things. Uh, one was that it was just like all too much for her. And so she was like, you know what? Like, I didn't know you guys were going to expose this um, this medical thing. Like, I this is not for me. Um, and then also that... And I, I feel like this one is much more of like a rumor um, that Heather was like, we're going to play nice, but we're going to have her banished. Um, I believe that. I really do. <laughs> it's so sad, but I, I just don't trust Heather and the power that they've given her. I love Heather so much, um, but the, the way that they crouched down at that couch and like laughed, it was like maniacal to me. Um, and I don't know any other word to describe it other than maniacal. And 
like concerning that one plot point, I feel like Heather would do anything. Like I wouldn't take anything off the table um, because it's protecting her family uh, in her eyes. So um, I think that it could be true. I feel inclined more to believe the first thing though, that it was just too much. Yeah. In this episode that we just saw this week, during the scene between Nicole and Shannon, where Shannon's apologizing and Nicole's accepting the apology, she's also like taking selfies. Like she doesn't seem uh, present. Like she also seemed like she was on something at the party. It felt like, and I don't know if she was just like really drunk, you know, when she was yelling at Emily to sit down and Emily's like, I'm literally sitting but something with her seemed kind of off to me and I just wasn't sure I I could see her not being like okay this I thought this was going to be fun and easy and it's actually a grueling filming schedule and really hard yeah okay so other things in this episode a lot happened we find out a lot about Noella Mm -hmm. I felt like an entire season or multiple season arc was in just one episode. Like we found out her son was just diagnosed with autism. And Mm -hmm. then we find out that there's some tax debts against her husband. Originally one lien for four million, then two liens for six million. And she feels lied to. And she wants to sell their home in Puerto Rico that apparently they've only owned for seven months. And when they get an argument, he leaves to go to Puerto Rico and then serves her with divorce papers from Puerto Rico that are in Spanish and cuts off the credit cards. And she has no bank account and no other source of income. This is the most convoluted story to me since Tom's accident tale um, on Beverly Hills. However, I, I believe that all these things happened. I just think that the shady one in this situation is the husband. Um, I like, what was your gut reaction to if you had to, if somebody said to you, wow, like that's a lot of stuff. Actually, I am saying that to you. That's a lot of stuff. What do you come out of that whole situation thinking about the husband? I don't know. Like I, it's hard because we've not seen him. It'd be different if it was like, Dr. Jen's husband, because we've at least seen him in a couple episodes and have sort of sense of the kind of person he is just, you know, a little bit. This mm-hmm. feels and I, and I don't live in L.A., so I don't see all those sweet James advertisements everywhere. It seems really shady, but it also this is so judgmental and wrong, but it makes me judge Noella a bit. Like, why did you get yourself in this situation something something's not adding up I feel like you're telling a story and you're leaving out some parts like how could it be that the whole marriage falls apart over this is it potentially that she was talking to the media about it because these stories all leaked none of us would have known that this was happening right she wasn't truly famous she just had been cast we don't even know if she was officially going to be a housewife yet And there was story after story after story. And knowing she's friends with Bronwyn, they're not friends anymore, but Bronwyn's big on leaking things and getting in the press. And it felt to me like she was airing her husband's dirty laundry in the press rather than trying to solve it with him at home. Now, I don't think he handled it correctly, and I totally feel for her, and I'm actually starting to really like her. 
But something about how this all came out feels weird. And maybe it feels weird because it happened over the course of multiple weeks, but this whole episode took place over multiple weeks, but it doesn't feel like it, right? It feels like it took place over two days. Well, it does. And um, it's even more bizarre when you think that, like, we're either supposed to believe that that same day that she found out or the day after, she only has Shannon Bedore and Gina Casita to turn to. <laughs> like, she doesn't have any other friends in the whole world that she yeah. or a, a sibling or something that she would rather speak to instead of these uh, essentially two strangers. I'm and like, I know she's on the TV show. I understand. Right. But if this really was her real life and this really was that same day or the day after either she would excuse herself for, from filming for a couple of days, which yeah. they would have allowed because it's a shocking divorce right? or, um, or that's really pathetic that she doesn't have any other friends. I mean, maybe she's hanging out with some of those friends like earlier and then she's like, okay, I'm filming now. This is clearly an income I need, <laughs> I, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. But the reason I was so uneasy about her in the beginning is because of her friendship with Bronwyn and because of how they paraded yeah. their friendship around on social media. It felt yep. to me like maybe she has some of the sort of, sort of same issues as Bronwyn, not talking about alcoholism or that she's like secretly gay or whatever it is. It's that really quick to be friends with someone and share all of your deepest, darkest mm-hmm. secrets and then move on really quickly with someone else and and going from like person to person it seems a little codependent it just felt Mm -hmm. really weird to me to have someone who's that close to you all of a sudden not be close to someone like it those kind of people freak me out they give me the heebie-jeebies like I don't trust them if you're willing to tell me everything about yourself and then say you're my best friend and we've only known each other two weeks like that's that's then you don't understand what friendship is it takes time right. to build and it doesn't burn or it's like people who fall in love like too much and too yeah. easily. Like, it's like, this isn't love yet. Like <laughs> This is lust. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also like, you know, like some housewives come on and say they, they've never watched the show before they started, but you know, Noella watched the show. Like nobody can convince me that she didn't. So like she knew who Shannon was and she still picked out Shannon to befriend, which is a real interesting choice. Well, I think it was smart of her to talk to Gina and Shannon as two women who've been divorced, Mm -hmm. who've also been very wronged by their husbands, like very wronged. Whereas I don't know if the other women are in that situation. They're either happily married or say that they're happily married. You know what I mean? So I I think it makes sense to go after someone. Yeah. What you're describing is producing. Yeah. Like it didn't, it didn't just happen by accident that she would be talking to Shannon and Gina who had the same exact thing happen to them that she did, which would act like in real time. I'm thinking about this, which to me would then make it seem like it wasn't that day or the day after it was like a little bit farther removed because I, I would think they would want to set that up. So what I'm wondering is, and I had this like written down as a question for you, I heard, and everyone's heard this rumor, that when Noella came on, her and the other women were shit-talking Bronwyn continuously. And it got mm-hmm. so bad that production stepped in and was like, we're going to have to bring her on if you guys 
don't stop. You need to have a different storyline. She's not on the show anymore. You can't talk about all the things she used to do, all the things she's currently doing. She is no longer on this show. So yeah. like, get it together. I'm wondering if they had a couple weeks of lost footage as a result of that. And if this episode was those lost weeks, because when Heather got the texts from Shannon... Mm -hmm. apologizing but not apologizing for a behavior at the party she said weeks had passed i haven't heard from you in weeks yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering like what happened during those multiple weeks was this the weeks that they were like we're gonna cut this start over you you need a real storyline that's not bronwyn um that would be way too much money wasted they're like they i don't think that they would let a scene play where the only thing that was discussed was Bronwyn. Like, I, that would be... You like think when they, they would, like, step in in the moment and be like, guys, you got to change the conversation. Yeah, and, it, oh. and like, you did watch OC last year, right? Yeah, I'm, like, one of, so, like, five people. Me, no, me too. <laughs> um, so do you remember how they always were talking about Tamara? Yeah. Like, they always talked about her. Oh. And then Tamara was on podcasts and was like... Uh, I wasn't on the show, but I essentially was a cast member the way they talked about me. And I think what's more likely is that the, like, if I'm aware of that, then the producers of the actual show are aware of that. And they probably are like, we can't do this again. We just did this with Tamara and she like totally called us out on it. Um, Like we can't do that again with Bronwyn. So like, let's move away from that. Okay. That makes more sense. So it's likely that they just been filming for a couple of weeks and, Mm -hmm the most interesting part of those weeks was at the end of it. And that's sort of when all the stuff came out. So we're seeing sort of it all happen. And it seems like it's happening over the course of two days when really it's probably been a few weeks. Or like that scene might have um, been the most succinct version of many conversations that they had that were essentially the same conversation. And that, that one was just the best, like tightest version of that. I mean, I really do feel feel bad for Noella, and I do think that she has yeah. a good heart and seems to really like mean well. I don't think she is trying to, even if she's thirsty, I don't think she's like mean or nasty about it. I don't. No, get I that think she. Sense. I feel like she's like kind of like a wounded animal a little bit. Yeah. Now I feel so. bad for saying all these like things about her, but it's just she reminded me so much of Bronwyn that first episode that it freaked me out. And Bronwyn is one of the now I can't stop talking about Bronwyn. Enough, enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Jen, I love Doctor Jen. Oh my god! And I was so excited she had Jeff Epstein and Stephen for Faces by Bravo. Um, uh, in one of those really quick scenes where she's injecting someone, it's that's mm-hmm. Jeff Epstein. He's been on the podcast. Okay. I think he's going to come back on and talk about what it was like to to film <laughs> with her. But he's been going to see her for a while. We get such a great backstory on her as well. The the two newbies, Noella and Dr. Jen, are bringing a lot. She's yeah. her mom is British, doesn't show enough uh, emotion, which is you know par for the course. Mm-hmm. And that her dad died um, in this horrific bicycle accident the day before yeah. she was supposed to take her MCAT, which I don't even know how you, you take it. You probably don't <laughs> have to retake it. Um, and jokes that she married her mother. Like, what are your thoughts on on Dr. Jen on this show and kind of how everything of Dr. Jen related? 
so far, it seems like she's on a different show and that show <laughs> is slowly going to make its way to find the rest of, of everybody else on the other show. Um, like, I don't, I don't think she's integrated very well at all yet. And that's obviously not her fault that the sushi party, like, you know, disintegrated and she didn't have a, a chance to really get in there with any other women. Um, and I, I feel like she is type A enough to like weasel her way in and up to the top and, you know, to exert some sort of, you know, uh, like dominant presence. Um, I just think she hasn't really had the opportunity yet. Yeah, I agree. I really like her. I don't know. She feels old school, like OC to me. She, she feels like an old school New York to me. Ah, I could see that too. Like in the era of like Aviva and Heather Halla and uh, Carol, like that time period, she feels like she could have been like perfectly in with that group of, of women to me. I really wish that the party at Heather's house would have been two episodes because while I know yes. they focus on all the big stuff that happened, I feel like a lot of other stuff happened while production so stalled. Much. And I think we're going to find out about that stuff because in the previews for next week, you know, Dr. Dr. Jen talks about she doesn't like Noella or, or someone else. That's, and it's like we clearly missed so many interactions between these women at yeah. that party. And well, I wonder if they're going to do flashbacks. Do you listen to um, Heather Dubrow's podcast? I do not. Um, so she talked about it a lot on her podcast. Um, and I mean, it sounds like they were there for hours and that they presented it to us as though it was like over very fast. But it felt it like they like were it, there for hours because you could see how they were like standing around. It just, yeah. the way that their, their body language was looked like they had been there for a while, but that the cameras were up at times and that the cameras were down at times. That's the way I took it. Yes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think that there was like more interaction that we didn't see. Like it might not have been like really worth it for TV, but like, it was not like, it's not like they all sat in a corner in their own corners and didn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 No. And uh, that's what the kind of footage I want to see, like when they think yeah. the cameras are down mm -hmm. and the mics are up, like I want those hot mic moments. I want, you know, them. Well, I want, I want more of that Noella Max interaction. Yeah. What happened? I think that's going to come up later. Yeah, all of it is just so wild, but um, I'm back into the OC. It mm -hmm. has historically been one of my least favorite franchises, and I still think it will probably ranks lower than a lot of the others, just because the OC is weird to me and I can't relate to these women. But I'm enjoying watching it, loving Gina, and yeah, I the I had never watched OC until the pandemic, and I've now watched the like entire thing twice through. Like I love it. I, I'm like the I. I feel like um, I, you know, it aired like 15 years ago, but I just woke up to it now. And I'm like, I love this show. I watched 200 episodes of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what I'm, that's like I watched like five seasons of Married to Medicine like, so oh, quickly. I know yes. I need to get into season six and seven and eight, but um, I just started Jersey. So it's so fun to, to look. Season 10 of the OC, it was one of the best, it was dark, but it was one of the best seasons of any Housewives ever. I say nine through 11 is like 
just a, I think it's like an unprecedented three season run in the entire world of the Real Housewives cinematic universe. Like that stretch of episodes, those three seasons are just amazing. I miss Megan King Edmonds now, Megan King Owens. She was, I usually don't like those young housewives, but something about her was just, I don't know. Like she was willing to show herself to us and be like, show her IVF and show, and, and, and I don't know. There's something about her. I miss her. Well, she, she's like a shot of adrenaline into that cast. Yeah. She, yeah, for sure. Um, shall we head over to Vanderpump Rules briefly? Sure. I'd, I'd love to spend time in that back alley. Oh my God. But they're never in the back alley anymore. <laughs> That's the, it's graduated to a different kind of show, but there's like still the strings from the original, like Lisa. And mm-hmm. there's no reason Katie should be talking to Lisa, but no. they have to force these. Like, it's so frustrating. I just yeah. want them. I've never wanted a show to break the fourth wall more than I want Vanderpump rules to break the fourth wall. And I feel like that's what's holding them back from greatness. If they could talk about the firings, if they could talk Mm -hmm. about how they started out being real friends, but now they're friends that are bound by money and business. Like if they just start actually talking about the last two years, it would be so much more interesting than what we're dealing with now. It has to evolve some way or it's, it's gonna be boring and it's just going to be like 40 year old people with, three-year-old daughters like I don't don't really need to watch that um like I'm you know I'm not going to Bravo for like a family dramedy <laughs> that's, that's not where I'm going yeah for that. I don't mind watching like them with the kids and stuff it's just I want it to be the, like I find them uniquely interesting but we're mm-hmm. not getting to see their real lives we're getting to see this produced version and this week yes. Sandoval came out and was like, or was it last week? Katie and I agreed to this storyline. We agreed that this would be like our thing. And then Katie denies it. And it's like, well, this, you're taking all the fun out of it. Like you shouldn't have right. to agree to a storyline. You should just, I, I know you have to like come up with what you're, what you have going on and say, oh, I'm opening this business or I'm dealing with this issue. But I don't know. I feel like, this potentially pre-planned thing with Katie and Sandoval and Schwartz is like become real, even if it didn't start out as real. Yeah. And it seems so nasty and it makes me sad. Where, yeah, where do I'll, you fall in this feud? Uh, I fall in, uh, I don't think that Schwartz pulls his own weight, but I think Sandoval's out of line. It, like in the way that he handles that. Um, also, that name was stupid. Like Katie's right. That's a stupid name. Um, I also don't understand how Schwartz doesn't think that him and, and Sandoval are a brand. Of course, they're a brand. And like when Sandoval was like, we're a brand. And he's like, no, 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 we're not. We're a friendship. We're a friendship. And it's like, yeah, dummy. But you're also a brand. Like, why do you think you're on TV? Why do you think you have a bar called Tom Tom? Right. Why do you think that we sell cameos together? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It made the whole episode just made me sad. I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Sandoval just needs to learn to be more respectful. 
and and he just needs to I don't know if it's all the shrooms that he's taking. I feel like Coke, I don't know what it is, but he's like so revved up and he needs to chill out. I like don't enjoy, you know, watching like men yell at women, but it's fascinating that he is really like an equal opportunist, like, you know, attacker. Like I, you like generally don't see that sort of blow up of like a man towards a woman um, on TV. Like if they're not in a romantic relationship and we saw it last year when he did it with Stassi mm-hmm. and now he did it again with Katie. Um, and it's like, chill out, bro. Like, what? It's just like, not that's like a Jack's thing, not a Sandoval thing. Right. Like, Jax was a dick. James Kennedy thing. Yeah. You shouldn't be communicating this way. It's clearly right. not getting the message across. And even when you're right, you become wrong with how you handle it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I've, Sandoval is one of my favorite people on Bravo, and this is just disappointing. I still like him, but I just want him to self-correct. And I'm, I'm, and as much as I say that the show is boring, I'm still interested in what's happening in their current modern day lives. I want to know about Lala Sands Randall. I want to know about James and Raquel's breakup. Like, I am going to love this reunion. They so. There's now only like pockets that I really care about, but those those ones are like are enough to keep me watching. And for me, it is Lala and James. Like I want them to have just have their own spin-off and just like do their own thing, or I want Lala to be promoted to Beverly Hills. Like she's great and she's like sober now and is still interesting, which is like the ultimate that she's still more interesting than everybody else. And they're all like still drinking and like Katie even drank tequila on this week's episode. And I was like, Oh my God, she's going to turn into tequila Katie. I can't wait. We haven't seen this in years, but then she didn't. Um, And I just like, but it was weird how Lala was like, do you go to AA anymore? Like, why don't they know that? Aren't they like each other's like only like sober friends or here's the issue. AA believes in complete sobriety and okay. and James is not completely sober right. because he uh, yeah. smokes weed. Yep. So he can't really go to AA. And so I think he doesn't because mm-hmm. he's like, well, I'm off alcohol, but this program isn't for me because I'm still using other yeah. things. So I think that's why they had that conversation. Interesting. Yeah. And, um. and Lala has said in the past when – People like Demi Lovato say that they're sober or they call, use the term California sober, that she finds yep. that like pretty offensive as a sober person. And I do not blame her at all. Um, in terms of like a, a spinoff for Lala and James, I feel, I don't know, do you think they ever would bring back Stassi and Bo? Or has that ship sailed completely? I feel like they won't bring them back to Vanderpump. I feel like okay. It it could be possible that they come back like after enough time, um, but I don't think that they'll come back onto Vanderpump Rules. I mean, the Vanderpump Rules doesn't seem to work anymore because Lisa Vanderpump is not needed, and having her be the tie-in is making yeah. it worse. Yes. Then it already is. I'm being so bad about the show, but I love the show and I just want to see them 
they all hang out in real life, right? Like mm-hmm. Sheena hangs out with Stasi and Kristen. Like they still are friends. And so yeah. not seeing what's actually happening and just having them like I I thought I wanted it this way. Right? Like this last season, I was like, this is what needs to happen. They need to make it like the Toms and Katie and Ariana and then everyone else. And they did that. And I'm still not feeling it completely. It just doesn't feel as real to me. So I'm wondering if they can create a new show or if they reboot Vanderpump Rules with young people. But I don't want to watch Lisa Vanderpump anymore. It's not like we've already seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't really know that they can can reboot it unless they were to go back and like really do like the struggling L.A. thing with like 22 year olds. And then it's like really, really a true reboot. Um, But but we've all grown up, right? Like they've grown up, but we've grown up as the audience. And so while we think we may want to see this like struggling actor, you know, servers at Sir, if we're given it. I bet we'll be like, I don't know about these people, you know, oh, yeah, like, no, I, like I, already, I, I won't want to watch that, but I would watch a re like a, right. a Stassi thing. I just think she is so compelling on TV. And I don't think I realized it until she wasn't on the show. And I felt like without the her commentary to sort of round out and lead episode by episode, kind of explaining what's going on. It's yeah, kind like of the narrator losing. kind the of the narrator. Yeah, she was sort of the narrator. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's losing something. Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to reward people for like bad behavior. Yeah, but uh, I also feel like why wouldn't it be more interesting to watch them reckon with the consequences of their actions rather than just throw them away? I think it's. Um, and I like I feel this way about a lot of like the housewives too who get fired. Not Kelly Dodge, she should be fired. But like um, you know, other people who've done controversial things, like just because they've done controversial things, I don't think they should because this is a reality show. Like if this was a scripted show and they said those types of things, then I would say yeah, because we're not going to get to see them reckon with the consequences I because see. it's a scripted show. But if part of the deal is getting to watch people's reaction to them and like how they're going to navigate what they've done is really interesting to me. And that like, to me, that's where the difference lies as to like letting a, a reality show performer keep their job after something versus an actor who's just doing scripted, you know, work because also an actor who's doing scripted content is in theory, like should be more replaceable because they're playing a part. And of course, I'm not so naive as to think these reality stars aren't playing a part. Of course they are. But it's supposed to be themselves. So, yeah, the hard part, though, is that is there are there really consequences if people aren't let go? So, like, what are you watching? I think it would be really interesting to watch Stassi navigate her firing. But then if we're watching her, then we're not then she's not fired. Right. You know, so it's like, it's hard. I feel like they don't always get where the, like with Vicky Gundelson, mm-hmm. she acted so much like this was her show and that she got to decide who stayed and who went. And I think that Bravo and the production company finally were like, we need to put her down a peg. And so then they yeah. had her as a friend of, 
and then it's still like then she she thought she would sit on the couch the whole time like yeah I'm not saying her diva behavior is the same as calling the police on a black castmate the only black castmate over something she didn't do but poor behavior it feels like they want to at some point when people become too problematic it's just um I don't know it's a, it's a really interesting topic to discuss like where are the lines and how come they don't seem to yeah. be drawn for some people like Ramona who continuously yeah. offends and continuously says and does things that are harmful and hurtful and um, versus you know I don't know a Stasi versus a a Vicky versus a Kelly Dodd, like where is the line? And I think Bravo doesn't draw it the same way every time. And so people are always picking apart, like why did you choose to do this and Mm -hmm. not that? So, well, yeah. Like why did Brandy Redmond get to keep her job on Dallas? I guess it's because nobody watches Dallas, like watched (laughs) Dallas. So no one, no one cared enough. It's discussed in the book, not all diamonds and rosé. Yes, I did. I did read it. I yeah, really the, enjoyed that the book. Producers of the show felt that this was not something that Brandy repeatedly did, and mm-hmm. so since it was like a one-time mistake, that and she apologized. I guess that they felt that it was different versus Leanne continuously using racist terms throughout an entire season. But then, was this the first time Stassi made a mistake like this? Like, I don't know. You know. Well, I think we know that it wasn't. I think we oh, know that she yeah, repeatedly she did. did like bad things to um, Faith, right? That was her name? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this like, was her the and thing Kristen, she did. They did other stuff to Faith? Did, did a few things, I think. <gasps> really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing that they did was bad enough. So we don't, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't have to be multiple things. But I thought yeah. the other issues were just her making um, – like ignorant comments about Me Too and Oscar So White and those types of things rather than like actual actions. I I mean, I don't I don't want to like go on record as saying that that's true, but no, I'm probably right. Be- I just believe <laughs> that it was more than one. Stassi, you just don't want to believe these things are true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget when my dad, who doesn't even know these shows, it came up in his Google News feed that Stasi was fired for racist behavior. And so he calls me and he's like, Mandy, I heard Stasi is racist. <laughs> and it's like, you know, my dad's Russian. And I was like, oh, God, I know. It's like all over the news. It's crazy. And he's like, are you going to rename dog? <laughs> I don't know, Dad. I don't, I don't know how this works. And he's like, she's a white dog. <laughs> I was like, I know. I know. It's just, this, is not, this is not good branding here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, thank you so much for joining, Rachel. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media and if you have any other tidbits of things that we should be looking for through producer eyes as we watch. Um, well, you can find me at not quite reality on Instagram. Um, and hmm, I, one of, one of the things that I find interesting is trying to nail down timelines a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like we kind of spoke earlier about, um, when figuring out about, um, you know, the OC and like how long the Noella stuff took, took to come out. Um, that stuff's really interesting to me. Um, I also feel like Vanderpump rules is like 
very aggressively produced now. Um, Mm -hmm. And like when Schwartz was riding his bike uh, to Sandoval's house and the way, like the way that he was filmed, you can like, he didn't just like walk outside and decide to hop on his bike instead of taking the car. Like that was filmed in such a way that I'm like, they probably closed down those streets. And then like, and then the way that they followed him really looked very like student film-like. Like Like, I had like cringeworthy embarrassment for like (laughs) the level of just like obvious manipulation that I, that like I was seeing just like, ugh. and I feel like in the last, like two seasons Vanderpump's been doing like a lot of that um, kind of just like stuff that, you know, is, is like not naturally part of the show that somebody stepped in and was like, it'd be super fun if we did it this way or like, just try it like this or like, can we shoot that one more time? Um, as opposed to like Ariana's drunken fall, which seems extremely natural to me. <laughs> She did not drop the glass. The glass did not hit the ground. I mean, that's that's a server there, right? Right. It was impressive. <laughs> I was so impressed with that fall and like didn't yeah. seem to hurt herself, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's what happens when you do a drunk fall. Like you're okay and then the next morning you wake up and you're like, "Why does my back hurt? What happened?" And then you have to wait 4 months to watch it back on Bravo. <laughs> Meanwhile, I fall so sober, break my wrist and my two front teeth. Like <laughs> that happened like like three and a half years ago. Yeah, that's completely that's sober. One. Yeah, no fun. Um, well, thank you so much for being on and for for giving us so much insight and sharing with us what you know. And uh, we just love having you on. So um, next time I'll have you on, I'm going to ask listeners for questions in advance uh, about how things are produced, because I feel like other people are going to come up with really good questions after this. And, and we should, we should do this again. So thank you so, so much. Very happy to be here. And uh, I'll come back whenever you ask. So thank you.